The problem of working alone is something that I think is not that obvious. On the one side, we have external algorithms that actually make us over time improve. On the other side, we have built-in intrinsical algorithms that ideally also make us better over time. Of course, one of the external ones, for example, is evolution. And now we are basically on that path of evolution. We are within the system that evolution provided us with, which is our mind. So now the question arises, what can you do? And what can you do with these two systems? And what are these systems for? And how does does it influence? How does the participation or maybe also how, how good you can work with these two systems influence what you can actually do with your life in general? So let's first discuss the first system, the external algorithm. So first of all, I think we kind of have to establish what we are actually looking for. At a given fixed level of output everyone has, let's say it's very easy. Let's say it is either an hour of work, and this can be any work. So this can be working in a grocery store, this can also be working as a as an engineer, as a nurse, as a kindergartner, it doesn't really matter. At a given fixed point of output, not a point of output, but a, at a given performance, and this performance can be fixed by time, it can also be constrained by anything else. So now we have, for example, an hour of work. And in general, we found that we kind of determine how much this work is worth by how much we pay this person. Of course, there is also work we don't actually directly pay. Maybe we pay it indirectly through relationships, for example. And maybe there are also other factors we need to consider. But the thing I am saying is that a certain given amount of output has a certain level of quality. And if we now assume this is fixed, over time, ideally, this output would improve in some way or another. If we fix the quantity, then, or if we constrain the quantity, and this quantity could be an hour of work, then what actually should happen if an algorithm is applied that should improve the situation is that the performance over time, so therefore the quality, if you equate quality and performance, should improve. Now, this is what we do from day to day. And this is also how we learn, I guess. So if you start out in kindergarten, for example, your brain is also developing. So therefore, there is an intrinsic algorithm that actually does the developing part to a huge extent for you. But at a certain point in time, your brain is like, oh yeah, now you're ready. Now you can do whatever you want and I will adapt to what you actually do. Of course, it's not totally this way and some people even argue that we don't even have free will and there seems to be some evidence um, supporting this claim. Nevertheless, once evolution, or not so much evolution in here, but much more, once we have grown up, we have kind of this built-in internal algorithm that now more or less is finished and also is kind of adapted to what we already are as a human being. And now the question is, what can we do with this? And should we maybe switch to an external one once again? Or can we actually take the internal one? The main problem, I think, is that we are currently 
kind of demonizing the internal optimization algorithm we already have. And many would describe this internal optimization algorithm as the inner voice, the inner critic, the inner negative critic. So now, here's the thing. What if this inner voice we have in us is actually the best approximation to a very simple improvement algorithm? Because it basically applies to almost any scenario. You can throw any scenarios at this algorithm and it gives you back something. If you, instead of using this algorithm you, ha you have, and that also has access to basically all the experiences you can remember, and even to more, because there seems to be at least a part of this algorithm that also collects subconscious evidence for certain things and then throws them back at us. Just think about how dreams actually work. And I think it would be, at least in terms of evolution, and in terms of how evolution designed us, kind of unwise to not consider information that is deemed or was deemed relevant by the past self of ours, either by adrenaline, for example. So if we have a lot of adrenaline in our blood after a certain event occurred, then this could potentially mean that the thing that happened before was maybe causing the adrenaline. Therefore, it maybe makes sense to store the sequence of experiences or at least the sensory information or at least the interpretation of this information for later use. Therefore, increasing the chance if something like this happens again in the future, that our predictive algorithm that then tells us what to do is better. So now, this internal algorithm already exists. And this thought actually came to me when watching an interview today, earlier. So, Colin and Samir, YouTube creators, you could say, that interview other YouTube creators in their show or podcast, actually had somebody on that was called, or is called Jarvis Johnson. I don't know if it is his real name. And he makes comedy videos on the internet, commentary videos. Now, it's not that this has the most to do with what I'm actually currently discussing. It is just the following. He mentioned that he doesn't he didn't really have structure. And before, he worked in a tech job at Patreon, and there he had more structure. And now, here's the thing. The structure before is something he did not internally within the borders of his body, even though he probably doesn't really identify with the negative voice in his mind. Like, we all do not really identify with the voice in our mind that tells us the worst things about our life. But... Within the borders of his own mind, within the borders of his own body, the structure kind of was missing. So therefore, what I'm trying to say here is that we have also these other algorithms, these external algorithms. And there are many different variables that actually make up this external algorithm. I just condensed down into this one external algorithm. Basically, all the things outside of our, of our skin that make us improve over time, that maybe force us to improve over time, that maybe force us to adapt over time. This could be your boss that tells you you are very bad, that you have not made enough sales calls, that you did not make enough revenue for the company, that you just did a general bad job. This could also be, if you are a doctor, people dying from you making mistakes in the operation room. So therefore, there is a multitude of things, I think, that tell us that things are bad. Not that things are bad, but that we did bad. 
and we could potentially do better. Let's take a look at something else. Let's take a look at Elon Musk starting rockets into space. If the rocket doesn't make it into space, that's an external thing that then tells us or him or SpaceX or employees at SpaceX that they probably need to figure out something better the next time. So now, I think we as a society, kind of not intrinsically, but over the generations, kind of know this. And this is the reasons this is the reason I think school schools exist. And now it, it is probably not the reason, but certainly at least one of the reasons. Or let's actually say it the other way around. It is certainly not the reason, but also certainly one of the reasons. Probably or not so not so certain with the with the second one. So now here is the idea. By enforcing an external algorithm onto a human being, you force the human being to adapt to the circumstances or to fail. And the higher the pressure now, the higher the improvement or the adap adaptation. Now, there is something else we have to discuss. It's when the pressure or basically the improvement pressure, so we now call the pressure that comes from either the external or the internal algorithm, the improvement pressure, if it succeeds, not succeeds, but exceeds a certain threshold that then in return basically enables a protection shield within the borders of our mind. Oh, not our mind, but our body. And therefore significantly decreases the ability to in the near to midterm improve and adapt to the external or internal pressures, adaptation pressures, then this is bad. This is the scenario we want to exactly avoid. There's this concept that is called flow. And flow is basically a workflow. It's basically a state in which you, as a human being, or mostly your mind, I guess, is exactly at the right, at the, at the optimal point in between you feeling too relaxed and the work you or the task let's just let's just generalize it and let's say the task where you are basically bored by the task this is the one side and then the more you go into more pressure scenarios where you actually have to perform better and better up to the point where you break because it's too much and where you then feel let's say discouraged or or overwhelmed by the task this is the point we want to avoid and in between those two there is an optimal point we want to achieve so now the, the state of flow in in many in many different books described now as the optimal point between those two and it's a point because it's only two dimensions, basically. It's not actually two dimensions, it's just one dimension. Basically, because we have two values, we could also just say we have the maximum value and the zero of this maximum value. Of course, this only works if the values are actually kind of opposing. So therefore, we have a one-dimensional line. And the further we move along this one-dimensional one line, which could also be the inverted scenario, if we just switch the values, the further we not the further, but there is an optimal point on this line. And this is the optimal point we want to achieve. Now, there is a downside to flow. And the downside to flow is that 
flow is described as the state that hits the optimal point, but the, that hits the optimal point, but the point itself doesn't maximize for long-term efficiency, but actually maximizes for short-term, meaning very short-term, meaning in the moment enjoyment of the task. Therefore, this is not equal. The optimal state of flow or flow in general, which is already the optimal state, is not equal or does in the long term not lead to the best possible outcome over the long term. So basically, it's an algorithm that optimizes for short enjoyment but fails to see the bigger picture. Because in the bigger picture, in the moment, we would have to push ourselves slightly harder, maybe even more slightly harder, up to the point where we are currently all the time frustrated. Because this is then again something, a signal, you could say, to our brain to then adapt. And if the adaptation signal is too low, you could also draw very easy similarities to working out again. We didn't before, but I wanted to. So now let's say you want to hit 5k in 20 minutes. That's actually a very nice goal, I think, even though I am far away from this goal. Now, what you could potentially do is measure this thing and then over time see if you get better. So now you can basically here again realize the optimal point that optimizes for flow, which is the maximum enjoyment while also doing the task. But in the long term, you maybe would be slightly better off or you would be slightly better off because that's kind of the definition of what we assumed here is when you actually went a little bit harder. And therefore, over time, you would have more adaptation processes that then in the concept of interest are just, yeah, the concept of compound interest compounded over time and therefore made you more likely to at a certain point in time after which you started basically a shorter point in time reach the goal. This was not a full sentence, but nevertheless, I tried to finish it. And now here it is. Now in the creative space, the creative space, basically people telling you stuff on YouTube, this is the kind of self-employed version of the song. And on the other hand, we have just media companies. Of course, people can start out here and then move slowly from here to media companies. But a media company is just a company. So now, in order for this to work, and this applies, I think, for many other scenarios in life, in order for this to work, there needs to be one thing. And this one thing is that the person who decides to freelance on YouTube, not really freelance, but to employ himself, even if it is just part-time, even if it is just a hobby. I just take this example because it is very close to me because I'm currently trying this as a hobby or whatever this is. Now, if I produce a certain level of outcome, which is, for example, the quality of this video, this video now has certain variables, the idea, the concept, how well I am able to portray this concept, my persona I create on here in this video, maybe also the quality of the microphone, maybe also the quality of my pronunciation, which is still not on the level at which I would like it to be, and therefore still causes, I think, many people to not understand what I am actually saying. Now, 
there are many different values or variables, you could also say. And it is actually more variables. You could also say factors. These terms are usually thrown around inter interchangeably, even though mathematically, I would say they have kind of very clear definitions. But in the purpose of keeping this common, I won't go into these. And I also am not exactly sure which are actually the right ones. In general, what I think of a function is what I can still remember from mathematics in school or also in the in the different things I studied is that not that I have multiple degrees and uh, that's not to be mistaken for this for that is that on the one side we have a function it's not that we have a function on the one side it's just that the one side is the outcome of the function and now of course the whole thing is the function actually but now let's just assume we have a very simplified function a linear function in two dimensions. Then on the one side we have y. On the other side we have one variable x and one cofactor. Now depending on which country you went to school and stuff like this, the cofactor again has different names. This could be a, this could be b, it doesn't really matter. It's just something. It's just a number usually from 0 to 1. Now this doesn't have to be from 0 to 1, but we just assume it is because then it is kind of standardized. So now, this is a one-dimensional, it, it is actually already a two-dimensional function because we have a one-dimensional input and a two-dimensional output. It's not that the, the two-dimension, the, the second dimension is the output. We don't have a second-dimensional output or a second-dimensional in total, we have two dimensions. It is a graph. So now, if we introduce more variables to this functions, to this overall function, and let's just say the outcome is a given quality of video. Now, in a given quality of video, and you can obviously apply this to any service or product, basically anything you would give to people in exchange, maybe for money, or maybe you could also maybe generalize it more. Maybe it is just value that is created. Because value can be measured in money, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. A relationship can be potentially measured in money, but it usually isn't, and therefore value is again the thing that trumps it all. Even though even though trump, trumping something has now a different meaning than it had a few years. Back. So now at a given fixed level of outcome, of value, you could also say utility, and this would then be a utility function. What on the other side determines the outcome is the variables, but also their cofactors. So this means we, for example, have how well uh, I am pronouncing the words. And now in front of the variable that says how well I am pronouncing the words, we have basically the variable itself, and then we have a cofactor, which determines from 1 to 0 how much this contributes to the overall value. Let's say the overall value is 1, that's the outcome, and then the other things add up to 1, ideally. So 1 would be a certain level of quality, and the other things have to add up to 1. And 1 basically would be the ideal video I would be able to put out. The thing that is the ultimate standard. And now everything, every value, every cofactor, it, it is the cofactor that is smaller than one, multiplies the variable. So usually we assume that it multiplies and in between we just assume pluses, even though this is just a very simplified model and you of course could have different relations between the variables. 
dividing them, for example. But to keep things simple, we now just assume that we have these cofactors that determine now zero being the value that minimizes basically the overall value to zero and one being the maximum value of this variable. So now what we have is a function that is determined by each by each of these variables with their cofactors. I think it actually makes more sense to have basically, let's say, variable pronunciation has a cofactor from 0 to 100% or from 0 to 1, and then this multiplies by all the other functions, by all the other parts, by all the other variables and the cofactors to then give you the outcome. Now, what I am aiming at is this. All these things have a certain outcome. And now, again, if I wanted to improve video quality, let's say, and I would see this as the value as the value I provide, I could improve all these different things. But only if I have an overall improvement algorithm, because the function itself is only a thing that spits out a certain value. And if I don't change anything, if I don't have an incentive to optimize this, then I will fail. I will not entirely fail, but let's again compare this to content production. Now, we can also then later on discuss the, the example of SpaceX starting rockets into space, launching rockets into space. If I start out, and you could also apply this to Ed Sheeran, for example. Ed Sheeran starts out as a musician, and maybe this is far closer to something everybody can relate to, probably. And also many people like Ed Sheeran. So now, let's assume we have Ed Sheeran in the beginning. And now there are two ways this can go. Either Ed Sheeran already has everything he needs to succeed. Then the only thing he would need is for somebody to discover. The second option is... Of course, these options are very simplified and these are just the two ex extremes. He basically has no talent at all and he therefore has to improve in order to make it in music. Of course, now, Ed Sheeran could believe the one or the other and even if he actually is the one or the other. But this is now where an improvement algorithm comes in handy. And now I would say as humans, we have kind of a default algorithm that tells us how to improve. And this algorithm is not perfect, but it's the best we have unless we manually create a better one. And now this algorithm, I think, takes different variables into consideration. And because of our past, because of evolution, I think, one of these considerations is how well our peers are doing. And since in the past we probably didn't know that many peers, and there were also other things around, like apart from Homo sapiens, sapiens, also Homo neanderthalis, I don't know the English name, it's Homo neanderthalensis. Now, based on who is around, and based on people that are actually the most similar to us. Maybe it is our neighbor. Because our neighbor is not just our neighbor, but our neighbor is somebody who lives in the exact same spot almost, in the earth. And this 
not only is the exact same spot he lives in, but this probably correlates with a lot of other things. And not only correlates, but probably causally relates or is causally linked to a lot of other things. Maybe he has a job in the same city, probably. I mean, in the past, before the pandemic happened and we now are people now are more likely to have remote jobs. But these people now have probably very, very many things in common. And a good proxy is the neighbor in the past, but also currently. If there is somebody that lives in the same city as you, then maybe he has a job in the same city as you. Maybe he goes to the same grocery store as you. Maybe he also has the same friends as you, because maybe there is an overlap overlap between friends and neighbors and so on and so on and so on. So therefore, a neighbor is maybe probably a good proxy. And in the past, maybe an even better proxy, not in the past specifically, but in general, I would say a friend is also a good proxy. And now it depends again on what your personality probably is like. Not probably, but imagine you seek, for example, you are very insecure all the time. And now, in order to get more secure or in order to get constant confirmation, you maybe are more likely to seek out friends that actually confirm what you are doing. Now, who is more likely to confirm that you are doing the right thing all the time? People who maybe look up to you compared to people who might not look up to you because they might be more likely to justify you. Not justify, but judge you. And maybe expect more of you. So therefore, on the security spectrum, we already have kind of a difference. So now, basically, that's, that's going back to the argument about what... So there is this saying that you are the average of the five people you hang around or you spend the most time with. And this is kind of um, going back to this a little bit, I guess. Now, what I'm saying is that this negative voice in us is this algorithm that is the preset algorithm that is kind of based on evolution, probably, but also partially based on your experience. But of course now, maybe the better we get at with system two being the part of our mind with which we actually think, at making systems that are better than the built-in algorithms, the factory-setting algorithms for improvement we already have that we know as the voice in our head, the better we get at making something that is better, the less we have to rely on them. The problem is just that there is, I think currently, not really a good replacement. You only have fragmentation of algorithms. And now, here's the problem. If you now don't trust your voice, because it tells you bad things all the time. There are now two things you can do. You can either do the things this voice tells you to do. And now there, there is a complicated relationship between those two. Because if somebody tells you negative things all the time, then maybe that's not the ideal thing you actually need. So ideally, this algorithm would be smarter, would also kind of have more data and maybe sometimes be a voice of reason, maybe sometimes be a voice of encouragement, maybe sometimes be the bad boss that just rages on your last presentation, like it currently, not currently, but it does probably for many of us all the time, telling us to work harder, telling us that we did not do well enough. Now, 
I think there is this tendency, at least in me, there is this tendency that whenever I know that things are going well, that I just don't do anything anymore. And this is not just, this is not applied in general, I would say, but at a given scenario. If I, for example, um, am, am confident in something that I achieved and achieved in a specific area, then I just don't need to do anything anymore. But if I then, if either the negative voice in my head tells me to, tells me basically and lists all the negative things, then this m might slightly bias my conscious mind towards a picture that is biased negatively. But this maybe just might push me towards trying to improve and trying to silence this voice. Of course, this voice is then again an algorithm that adapts and adapts and adapts. And this is called hedonic adaptation. It's, for many people, maybe buying the house. And then you realize, <laughs> oh man, it's, it sounds so stupid. And also, I'm, I, I'm probably looking very cocky. But when I actually now say this, but there is a YouTuber called Nathaniel Drew and he, and he recently released a video where he said, uh, I'm now successful, but I'm still not happy. Or I thought being successful, I was wrong. And in the thumbnail was something like, um, I'm now successful, but I'm still not happy or something like this. And this encompasses many different things. Of course, Nathaniel Drew is a YouTuber and he's also one of the big successful YouTubers in the self-development space, you could also say, and in the self-help space. And he is very successful. There is no doubt about this. But, and of course, he wants to appeal to a general audience and keep the things and keep the topics of this, of this specific video he put out in general and also find the most common denominator, therefore keeping the language easy and things like these. But of course, the premise of this video is something you probably didn't have to discuss for 20 minutes. I mean, of course, if I would make a similar video and I would then have to find a title and a thumbnail, maybe if I actually would do these things, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, which also results in the corresponding results. But that's not the point of this video. The point of this, not this video, but what I'm trying to say with this is, of course, he's not more happy because he's now successful. Because it, it's not that I'm, I have deep insights into evolutionary psychology, but from what I currently understand about the human mind, and it's not much, and just from basically me summing up all the things I consumed online about this topic, not me reading papers and so on, and then combining the insights with sources, it seems that hedonic adaptation is something that is pretty not pretty obvious, but that seems to be there. So therefore, once you achieved something, and also just basing on my own experience, it didn't, so I was, I think, this is just an example. I was, I think, okay at school. And being okay at school was just a given. And therefore, I did not think about this much. I mean, I was just okay in school. And so therefore, I didn't think about this. It is only and therefore, I thought all the time about other things. And I thought, if this other thing was just solved, then things would be so much better. And if this thing was just solved, then things would be, would be nicer. And of course, this is basically your mind tricking you into doing more things that are actually in the long term useful for you. Like uh, developing skills in a certain area. The same is true, for example, for me learning to play instruments and music, maybe. On the one side, I could play guitar somewhat well. And people often told me 
that I was kind of good. But so there's this, there's also this, this mismatch, if there is a mismatch. So people sometimes told me that I was kind of okay, or I was kind of good, I, I don't know. And back in my mind, I knew that I was pretty crappy. Because it is not that hard to listen to very good performing songs and then to to draw the comparison to you. The same is true for singing, for example, where it is even more obvious, I would say. Because you can just point towards, because it is just easier to judge how well someone can sing. So now I had this mismatch in, on the one side, people telling me, so external factors, and now we kind of come back again to this external improvement algorithm or optimization algorithm and this internal one. In this case, my internal one was still saying that I was pretty crappy and I still needed to improve and improve and improve and improve and improve for the next years, maybe for all of my life, probably for all of my life if I wanted to improve. Now, and on the other side, some people said that I was okay and even said something like, oh yeah, I would love to have the skills you have on the guitar, which now sounds very, very stupid because I know how bad my skills on the guitar still are. But even though I am now like 15 years older compared to the scenario I am thinking about. Now, what I'm trying to say with this is that if there is a mismatch between those two, then usually I would say you have to rely on the source that has more information. And the source that has more information, therefore maybe is the better algorithm is maybe the internal voice. Of course, this internal voice can also drive you insane. And of course, many people have mental illnesses. Maybe it is, maybe there is just something wrong with, with the chemistry in your mind. It's not something that there is something wrong with you as you exist and as you think. It's not your system too that is rigged. I actually, today actually, I try to kind of find a new approach and of course, this approach is also not something really new, but it's basically applying how we think about machines, about the human body. So basically, you are a machine. Your system one, the autonomous part of your mind, is also part of this machine. And you are basically kind of a simulated thing that runs on this machine. And now you are basically the software. You are basically software that is programmed by evolution to give all of you, all of you, a better chance of survival in the long term. And now, of course, you can also think and you can also pretend to act and make decisions, which maybe are, in the end, um, just controlled by something else you cannot control with your system too, with your conscious mind. But that's not the point. The point is that I, I again searched for a very easy perspective on things. And this very easy perspective is that I am just software and you are probably too. And now at a given fixed hardware, the only thing that actually can improve is the software. Just think of your computer, your computer, your computer is fixed. You can only improve the computer by updating the software. Of course, you could also buy a new computer, but at least at the current state of science, you cannot buy a new body. Therefore, you are basically stuck with this body. You can also see your brain as your memory. And it is your memory. And the memory is kind of the thing we now use to, 
to name computer memory, but it's originally the memory in here. And even though it is biologically wired, so basically you could make an argument that every thought we ever have runs on this brain and needs to run on this brain because where else should it run? Now here is the idea. What if this voice we have is basically our communication with our body? Of course, there are other ways of communications, such as you or your body telling your conscious self that something is hurting and maybe you should do something about this. Maybe you had a car accident and now you can't feel your leg anymore. Maybe that's a signal which should now drive you towards your system too, towards bringing all of you, all of you, all of your systems into a better position. Maybe moving towards a hospital, maybe calling an ambulance, I don't know. And now let's come back to Travis Johnson. Let's also now come back to Colin and Samir. And let's also now come back to the debate of the extrinsical algorithm of optimization and the internal algorithm of optimization and how this impacts and influences the things we can do in life. If we now, again, at a certain point in time, take a look at any person on the planet, this also could be a service on the planet. This also could be a product. If we actually want to improve something, we have to have a cycle. A cycle of first taking a look at the data. The data can be about the product, for example. The data can be about the human. In terms of health, for example, you can take different health measurements, such as measuring your HRV, your blood pressure, your heart rate, and how long it takes you to run 20 not 20, but 5 kilometers. And if it's not 20, then you could ask yourself, that's the next thing I would want to say. So first, you take a look at the current data. Then you make a plan on maybe how to interpret the data. Or you could also call the stage the interpretation. Now, since this process I'm currently describing is something people thought about for hundreds of years, there is something called the management cycle. And there are different people who coined these management cycles. And one of these is, for example, plan, act, monitor, review. So we leave, we leave out the planning because we first need... So it kind of starts with the review, I guess. So Or with the monitor. It depends because you can start at any point of the cycle because it's a cycle. So let's start with the monitor. You assess your health, for example. Or you assess how good a given video I put out, for example, is and how engaging it is and how many people watch it and how much content it actually has, how much accuracy there is actually in the video and how many people do not understand my pronunciation. Then we review all the things. That's basically the interpretation I described earlier. We have to now draw conclusions. And as a result of these conclusions, we then plan things. We plan to make things better, maybe to do some pronunciation sessions or to maybe do some more 5k runs, maybe also 10k runs to improve the endurance in the long term. And maybe in terms of SpaceX, maybe just build another rocket. And then we actually have to act on this. And if you then act on this, then you again have data, which you then can monitor, review, plan, act, monitor, review, plan, act, monitor, again and again and again. And now this cycle is an optimization algorithm. And now the optimization of a given problem 
is the thing that you could say drives the world. You could also say a lot of other things drive the world. Money drives the world. I think of these things as perspectives. You can take different perspectives onto the same thing. And one of these perspectives is that the world is run by algorithms, by improvement algorithms. We, you and I, are the result of an endless amount of cycles of improvement algorithms that led to that led from randomly occurring mutations to something as evolved as you and I are. Even though there may, might be an argument that I am not maybe as evolved as you are. But now here's the thing. Depending on how good now you are, you as a total unit, not you and your voices, but you combined with your voices. Depending now on how good you are, maybe with dealing with the inner you know, voice you have in your head, with dealing with the negative voice in your head, this determines how well you can improve over time. Because if you don't have an improvement algorithm, or if you have already an improvement algorithm, but you just try to avoid it, like avoiding maybe someone you know really well who would expect higher standards of you and who would not concur with what you are currently doing or producing or making. Now, the same can happen for this inner voice. If we ignore it, and now again the assumption is that the inner voice is an actual good algorithm that is actually making us better over time. Now depending on how good your relationship with this inner voice is, if you, for example, for one year, you did everything this inner voice asked of you, how would your life look like? And again, I think I haven't fully covered this, but the inner voice in your head is basically the only system that has as much data about you as you potentially do. Maybe potentially even more because it factors in data you don't have conscious access to. It's basically behind a security lock because you are just way too dumb to understand. You just have way too little brain power to understand the rest of your, the rest of you. You don't even have a clue what is going on in your hand, even though you can move it. You basically can control things like a child in a, in, in a park where there can be these, where there are these little excavators. So basically, the thing that are digging things, and of course you can sit a child into this and control the machine. And it even can do things. Or even better, let's just assume we as humans do experiments on monkeys. And we throw them into a cage. Or maybe it's mice for cosmetic purposes or for whatever purposes we throw them into a cage and then do experiments on them. It doesn't matter how ethical you think this is now. What matters is that we throw them into there. We control the environment. We give them food. We don't give them food. We give them certain drugs. And then we observe the outcome. The thing is that at any point in time, we can do things differently. And the mouse thinks maybe it is conscious. The mouse thinks maybe it is free. But instead, it is actually influenced by these external things. And we control these external things. Now, regarding us, we also think we are conscious. And we want to like that we have free, free will. But that is kind of going a little bit beyond what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that the better 
we can internally, without an external system, that is maybe school, that constantly makes us adhere, makes us adapt to certain external standards, because otherwise we wouldn't adapt to these standards and therefore we wouldn't grow and we wouldn't have a compound effect. The better we are able to cope with the negative voice in our head that might just be the best algorithm we have. Even though as more and more data is accumulated and even data we don't have access to, like HRV, like heart rate, like measuring Google measuring basically every heartbeat whenever we watch a YouTube video, which probably is already happening. It's just that nobody wants people to know about this. And I mean, it's also obvious. Why would Google go into Google Fit if not for maybe trying to optimize the main thing their business is about, which is ads? The final conclusion, I think, is this. If you are more likely to kind of have a good relationship with this negative voice and to be more likely to do actually the thing this negative voice in your head says. And it doesn't have to be the negative voice all the time. This voice can also sometimes say, oh yeah, this was good. It's actually a friend. But it, it is a friend that has a very high standard of us. And if we don't fulfill this standard, then we just feel bad. Because we still encounter this friend and this friend follows us around and around and around and around. And of course, there is also, there are other other voices in our head. Sometimes voices that just repeat things on end, like things you hear on the radio. And then it's like, on the radio. Basically, I just assume now the voice is kind of not conscious, but the voice is reasonable in what they are saying. Even though the message this voice wants to tell us might just be very simplified. Like, instead of oh, maybe you should try to do something to optimize your health, which then as a result could also optimize your appearance. The voice just says, you're fat. Now, maybe the voice doesn't even have to tell us this, but it is just there. If we take a look into the mirror and the voice just says, or makes us feel bad, which is maybe called emotions or a negative emotion, then this also might result in action. Not inaction, but inaction. So what I'm trying to say is that maybe people who need the external structure because they are maybe less likely to be able to very well handle the inner voice or maybe have a genetic predisposition to a voice that is slightly more negative or maybe too negative and therefore causes mental health problems all the time. Maybe or pushes and pushes us above the border at which we at which below we would find things not overwhelming, but at which above we find things overwhelming. So basically, if the standard that is required from us, from this inner voice, is maybe slightly too high, then this might constantly cause problems that either then lead to adaptation, and this again leads back to evolution. If the thing does not adapt, it just dies. And it just dies, and the genes die with this thing. And now, maybe, if somebody who needs to be his own boss, for example, like Jarvis Johnson in this interview I mentioned, if he needs to be his own boss, 
he needs a constant improvement algorithm in order to improve. And if he doesn't have one, or if he does ignore the internal one, and now, of course, I'm only projecting this onto Jarvis Johnson, but I'm actually talking about media all the time, like many of us do, I assume. But what I'm trying to say is that the structure, Patreon, the company before, provided Jarvis Johnson with was a constant improvement algorithm, an external one, that is not really controlled by us. And of course this external improvement algorithm only feeds the internal one, because we don't actually... I mean, if, for example, we actually have a friend who holds us up to a higher standard, then the thing that occurs is not that the friend holds us up to a higher standard and then we do better, but the friend holds us up to a higher standard and then we think, oh yeah, we look like a total idiot next to them in when running, for example, or whatever it is. Then this again leads us to improving. So basically, you could say, once you deactivate the external improvement algorithm that is vastly or maybe to a huge extent influenced by social pressure, for example, from friends, from family, in general, just from people we know, and also influenced by our genetic heritage and by our factory setting. And once you decide to ignore these external factors that play into this optimization algorithm we have, you need to replace it with something that is at least equal in power and equal in terms of adaptation it requires. And if you don't, then, well, things might not turn out as well for you as you would expect. And I would have really loved to have now already a sentence that would be a very good sentence to end this video, and I still haven't found one, so therefore maybe just another add-on. Or maybe much more, much rather a very simplified conclusion. If nothing else is hard on us, we have to replace it with us being equally as hard on us. <laughs>